Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Bodybuilding Down Under. You're listening to episode number 86. And as we sit here, this is the very first episode that we're recording in the new year from 2024, which we've all declared is going to be the year of the root because Bodybuilding Down Under is planning a massive takeover. We're all, you know, starting to get our affairs in order so that we can move to various islands across the world. Obviously, plenty of garage room for sports cars, things like that. So it's all very exciting. But I thought we would crack in, boys, and maybe just hear what everyone did for New Year's. Were there any, you know, exciting plans? Who made it to 12? Who didn't? So perhaps you, Mr. DY, let us know. How was your New Year's, mate? Mate, so New Year's Eve, me and Camellia went out to Walter's Steakhouse. I'm not a big fan of obviously going out anymore. I've had my fair share. So I like normally every New Year's, I like to try and go out to a nice restaurant and then try and catch the fireworks. And that's exactly what we did. So we went to Walter's pretty much in the city there. Had it pre-planned to wrap up at about 8.15, which it exactly did. And then we pretty much walked on over to the fireworks, fireworks down at South Bank and caught the back end of just landed there right on time and then put the fireworks so which was extremely impressive i don't know i haven't made it to 12 for a long time now i think it's probably been about three four years since i made it to 12 what about you boys mate absolutely ideal from you it sounded like that evening just ran like a german train schedule just to the minute on the minute that's the thing man i'm ocd i've got everything yeah optimized and I assume that you got the um the cut of Wagyu that had just enough protein as opposed to fat content to tick you into that MPS zone. Exactly right. It was one to one. So 60 grams of fat, but also 60 grams of protein. So it worked out Perfect. perfectly. Yeah. I mean, were you, how full were you on the night in terms of intramuscular triglycerides? They they were definitely full. Yeah. A little bit, little bit flat in terms of carbohydrates. So I did have to actually pull in, grab a little bit of a key lime pie uh, as well mm. as a bit of cheesecake there. So That's we're definitely well. And like, yeah, I just ate the steak. I was just looking. I looked in the mirror when I went to the toilet. I was like, fuck, I'm flat. Like triglycerides were full. So went straight back out there. I said, hey, get me a bowl of fries and get me that cheesecake pronto. Because, mate, there would have been thousands of people at South Bank and if any of them looked at you and they saw Camellia beating you on the side profile, game over. You may as well stop training. So, I mean, it's a good reminder to the listeners out there. You cannot be outangled by your girlfriend. So make sure that before you leave the restaurant, go to the bathroom, check yourself out in the mirror. If you're looking flat, order a cheesecake before you leave the restaurant. It's just a no-brainer. Exactly right. New York style steakhouse too. So it was a crime not to get the cheesecake. Cause that's the only way you're going to truly get full leaving that joint. <laughs> and yeah, you know me, Lawrence, like technically I've got to start the new year with a slice of New York, New York style cheesecake. Otherwise, like what's the point? Mate, literally, literally what is the point? Well, that's good. At least someone was being serious about it on New Year's the Eve. The same goes for people in prep, right? Like when they're 100%. out. Yeah. yeah. Well, if they're Jack or DC's clients, that's a given. Cheesecake is a must going into the new year's. Yeah, 100%. Did um any cheesecake for Tierra on New Year's Eve? No, unfortunately not. Oh, imagine how flat she is. Oh. Yeah, she's digging, that's for sure. Uh, time to call the prep here. Wrap it up. Yeah, I reckon wrap it up, Jack. That's, um yeah, no point now. You did actually say today how flat she was looking. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. she needs to get on it. Show you know that's it, man. I'm taking the reins. I'm sick of it. Yeah, well, what did you do on New Year's Eve, Jack? Honestly, nothing much. I haven't done much on New Year's for the past few years, really. So, 
yeah, maybe that will be a good goal for for 2024 is to stay up to midnight and and drink excessive amounts of alcohol and have some cheesecake. Dude, finally, finally, he gets in serious about it. All right, all right, boys, this is good. Some progress. Mate, what about did you, I see see you correct though, Lawrence? Did you have a zinger as your last meal leave in 2023? Mate, I'm sitting there right and. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm reflecting on the year and and I just, you know, I achieved a lot in 2023, but I just had a really severe lack of fulfillment within myself. And I was like, what could this be? So I was like, okay, should I try run a marathon? I still had like more than five hours left. Should I try to do that before the year ends? (laughs) Should I try like make some more money before the year ends? And then I thought to myself, I know what's wrong. I have not consumed a zinger this year. So I said to Gemma, I know we had a um, a reservation at the finest restaurant in Brisbane. Nah, we're scrapping that. I have to go consume a zinger. Um, in actuality, Gemma and I were going to have fish and chips down at the point, and then all of the fish and chip shops literally in the Redlands were closed. So we're driving around and we're like, none of these are open. What's going on? So we ended up opting for a Southern-style chicken meal, um, which is obviously fairly anabolic. And mm-hmm. we uh, consumed that down at Cleveland Point, which is a nice little spot. And then we were going to get out to the fireworks, but we weren't really trusting the weather. And also a Grey's Anatomy marathon beckoned and seemed quite uh, inviting. So we basically watched Grey's Anatomy up until what midnight. What season are you up to now? Uh, we're into, we, we just wrapped up season five that night. So we're into season six. Mm. Season five is a great season. I know that it gets bad eventually. But season five was very good. So we essentially just watched Grey's Anatomy up until midnight. And then Arsenal were kicking off their game at midnight. So I was like, eh, may as well stay up for that. So, mate, bet at 2 a.m. It was just absolute scenes. You wouldn't read about it. All right. None of that matters, though. I need to know what your KFC order was. Mate, well, that's the thing. Like, we went for, like, something we could share. So Mm, the family burger box, surely. Well, no, we got... (laughs) <laughs> Gemma loves popcorn chicken so we got a popcorn chicken then we got some tenders and then one chips and kind of just like bundled all, it all together but I thought can't leave here without a zinger so the zinger was in um, obviously a Pepsi Max because I'm, I'm trying to keep the calories down like no, no need to be stupid here and spike the insulin um, I think had I gone the full sugar Pepsi the ratios of filling out through glycogen and intramuscular triglycerides from <laughs> I can't even keep it together the ratios would have been all the way out Gemma probably would have beaten me um in a side chest on the night I couldn't have that yeah I'm a bit confused though because what you've told me that order was right there is a meal for one and that's actually split between two there's no way oh, she didn't eat the... yeah all right good she would have been sitting there watching you and taking the photos that's you have to say the tenders they're warm-ups the popcorn chicken they didn't even touch the side the large chippies you know that's a stock standard and then one zinger like come on mate that's that's like an ultimate burger box that doesn't need... <laughs> that's that's a meal for one it's like i messaged joey i'm like hey dude i'm at kfc recovery diet's gone well but i'm about to <laughs> just blow the sides message him the next day Hmm, what are we mini cutting? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But you forget how good KFC is, man. All jokes aside, absolutely delicious. Mm, tremendous. Don't need to tell me though. <laughs> Don't need to tell me though. <laughs> you need to tell the listeners that I haven't had a feed. 
<laughs> oh, DC, mate, the, the man of the North. And, and I say man of the North because we all know who the king of the North is. But uh, how, how was your New Year's Eve, mate? Mate, it was great. We stayed at a hotel called Crystal Brook, uh, right on the Esplanade. And um, like literally right on the Esplanade. It was lovely. And we went for dinner um, and we could see the fireworks from our table, which was, which was incredible. Uh, we were very lucky to get out a seating arrangement, literally right, right smack there uh, on, on the Esplanade. So yeah, we watched the 8, 8.30 fireworks. They were awesome. And then we caught up with some friends over at the, the Salt House uh, for the 12 o'clock uh, fireworks. And then soon after, it was pretty much bedtime. So <laughs> I think out of anyone, mate, you are watching uh, TV, you probably stay up the latest out of everyone. Yeah, and my team got smacked. So uh, in hindsight, a poor move. Um, was so, it yeah. worth it? Yeah. I reckon you probably just had the meat sweats from, from those zingers, mate. That's probably why you couldn't go to sleep. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I'm just furiously doing steps around the house to offset the um, 700 grams of fat that I've had from the, uh, the zingers. The spice was running mm. through him. <laughs> yeah, mate, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, New Year's Eve is always one where like I'm kind of all, you know, festived out by that point. So I'm kind of happy to, to make it pretty chill. Like even during the week, like Gemma and I are in bed pretty early. I feel like I've ended up with like the optimal non-bodybuilding girlfriend because although she doesn't compete, you know, loves an early night, loves to sort of cook dinner at home most times throughout the week. So um, yeah, she'll be staying on for another year. She's re-signed uh, for the next 12, 12 months, which she's obviously stoked about. Um, just went with a one-year contract extension. I think, you know, committing to anything more, a bit dicey. We'll see how a performance review goes mid-year and then take it from there. Seems fair. Yeah. That's, I'll, that's I'll, big I'll... game of the 12-month contract. I wouldn't run that. I'd normally go like a three to six just in case, start acting up. <laughs> just little stints. Well, well mate, like, you might have to be careful. I know that Gemma doesn't listen to this, so. Mm, mm, yeah. 12 months is like that's like nearly two preps like something yeah, goes you, wrong you're stuck with it for the next six months with a six-month contract that's easily quick swap in and out you got to remember though there's at some point there's uh what we call in sport the veterans minimum so once you've played <laughs> a certain amount of seasons you know the veterans they won't accept just a six-month extension you got to hit them with at least 12 they've earned mm. it they've, that uh, is they've true. played a few that seasons very in true. the league yeah, but um, I was going to say to you boys as well, obviously it's it's the time for writing resolutions. So are there any goals or resolutions that you guys have, have written? Maybe just give us like two or three, but one of them has to be non-bodybuilding or work-related, like something just completely out of pocket if you've got it. So we might start with you there, Jack. Yeah, so three three resolutions, wow. And I guess one of them would be to have KFC in 2024, which... We'll see if that happens. I, I'm, I mean, I'm prepping, so I can't promise anything. It's Surely hard. we get it in before you start prep. If we yeah. don't, it's a travesty. Well, after I prep, yeah, I, we'll have it. We'll have a solid month there after I prep. To, the um, thing is, though, and Dy will be able to speak to this, being that he's done extensive research on this topic. Would you trust a physique athlete going into a prep having never consumed KFC? Like that? What kind of starting point is that? Are you asking me? Because that's an absolutely horrible start. Like, well, that, exactly. You, like, like you're pretty much running into the prep flat before the prep has even started. Like, <laughs> like maybe, maybe the best time to have it is during prep. Then mm. maybe I need to reserve it. Now we're talking. Mm. I used to run them on my ride day, so that's it. I'm Weekly refeed. Oh, yeah. oh, 
I'll, I'll contact AJ. Mm. I'll do it for you, mate. You oh. know what? Stop it. I'll take the reins. Give him here. <laughs> Email the check-in sheet to me now. I'll sort you out. Mandatory refeed. Uh, so my other two, I guess one of my resolutions in bodybuilding is like to try and get my pro card in, in either classic physique or bodybuilding in, in um, ICN or, or WNBF. I think those will be the, the main two federations that I target. And the third one is, is genuinely just to do more things outside of bodybuilding as well, which, um, which will be challenging because ultimately I am prepping and prepping can be quite all consuming, but um, I do want to broaden my horizons a little bit in terms of getting out and doing other things. So um, with, with, um, with friends. So uh, that's something that is quite broad, but hopefully that makes it even more achievable. I like it. I like it a lot. DC, what about you, mate? Mm, uh, um, so this year, Nicole is competing for season B in, uh, in IFBB. So we've got some travel planned or sort of uh, prematurely planned out for, for her season. And uh, we might be doing a bit of like a sort of an Asia circuit. And uh, so I think for me, it's just going to be a matter of like, I'm going to be tagging along and I'm very excited for that. So I think it's, you know, a matter of kind of making some lifestyle gains while she's making bodybuilding gains within within her prep. Um, but then as it pertains to more sort of the bodybuilding side of things, for me, I think this is like obviously 2024. The, the, the next season that I do is 2025. So I think it's just, you know, notch things up a bit higher in terms of my, my performance and training. And, and not, I mean, not that I, I certainly don't approach my sessions with intensity and, and intent. Um, and professionalism, but but it's always a matter of kind of reflecting. I'm like, okay, I'm getting closer to potentially starting a prep, right? Um, like I would be starting a prep, you know, within the next sort of, or I guess for a year from now and, and a few months. So it's not that far away until until the, the gun gets, you know, shot. So I, it, for me, it's just really a matter of just nailing this this off season for this year, doing everything I can to, to ensure that I'm as competitive as possible moving into my next uh, my next season mm, lovely what about you mr yates so probably got a fair few well like more or less like one or two in every little area that i got so the first one would probably be like actually financially as well like i would like to purchase a property this year as well and then maybe even look at a second one down the line i think the time's come like you know i've obviously rented for a decent little time now so i'm like looking at you know breaking into the property market a little bit um, because there is going to need to be a time where I do that um, unless I'm going to rent for the rest of my life. Um, but yeah, something more like financially like that. Then number two is business wise. Um, I have a tremendous year coming up, like lots and lots of competitors um, across the season. And obviously I want to make sure that they're doing their absolute best, which means I am going to be doing a lot of traveling as well. Cause I do have a lot of state shows across Australia that I'm going to be traveling to, but not only that, probably internationally as well, maybe looking at like a show over in Hong Kong, maybe Dubai, maybe America as well. Um, and maybe even catch the WMBF on the back end. So a decent amount of travel that I am looking at doing a lot of it's not locked in just yet, but you know, those two kind of tie in like one, I haven't really traveled that much. So that's going to be a big focus is this year. Number two, obviously, you know, ensuring that the team is taken care of um, and they do the very best they can. And then obviously making some smart financial investments on my side of things. 
Yeah, nice. You may have to just sneak in a, a small, obviously business-related trip to Magnolia's in there as well. Make sure things are, are just ticking along, you know? Well, like, you know, if I do go to the WMBF show, I haven't been to Boston before, so that's a mandatory. You've got to tick that off. Number two there, I haven't actually been to New York before either, so I'm going to have to do that. And I've never ever tried a cheesecake before, so I'm going to be giving that a run over there as well. Makes sense. It, it just it just makes sense. Um, there is an establishment called KFC over there too, which you could try as well. Yeah, I might give that a run. Yeah, I've never tried that either. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens. Oh. Yeah, I think um, obviously I'm sure like, you know, you end up breaking these goals into like different chunks, like, you know, gym stuff, work, finances, whatever. Um, so obviously I've, I've got a few this year as well. Um, and I find like it was only the last two or three years where I've actually written them down and then like gone back to reflect on them, which I think is a really good practice um, for people to be a bit more intentional with their goal setting. Um, but a couple that probably stand out is I do want to sort of give the coaching a bit more of a nudge this year. So would love to, to potentially build up to the point um, with coaching clientele for the online space where I maybe step back on a few hours at the physio clinic, which would be good. And um, yeah, there's some some cool stuff coming down the pipeline there. And then I would say that one of um, something that I've always wanted to do and sort of kind of dabbled with in previous years, uh, but I've committed to this year is wanting to like journal every day. Um, so like do a like a bit of a devotional and like a, I've got this like this 365 like stoicism um, book as well, which I know is very popular. Um, so doing like a small amount of that every day um, and just using that as a bit of time to reflect um, and be mindful, I think would be cool. Um, so, you know, we're what, three days in, we're three from three. So absolutely cooking on that department. And then something a bit more miscellaneous um, is that I felt very useless at the Christmas lunch this year. Like lots of people contributed in terms of like making this and making that. And I was like, damn, like I really like outside of my bodybuilding food, I can't cook anything. I can't make anything. So I thought, well, next Christmas, I want to have developed an ability. So I've thought to myself this year, I want to learn how to make like nice bread, like sourdough bread, and uh, potentially be able to contribute a bit more to the Christmas lunch next year. So we'll see I'm how that goes. I'm surprised you didn't, you know, cook up everyone cream of rice. It's like, isn't that just well, the most yeah, exciting man. food? Ever? The thing is though, like, it's just such a fast acting carbohydrate. Everyone would have just burned through it and gone flat. And um, actually I should have cooked them all that. And then I'm there as a house just a kilo of turkey deep sodium through the roof veins everywhere oh could you just imagine that all right lawrence is in charge of the dessert dessert <laughs> rolls around they've just had this epic turkey and everything everyone's getting served up like spoonfuls of cream of rice just like what the hell is this on the top well that's dark chocolate 95 percent lint but i would have yeah. done you know like there's that like technique that you can do i forget what it's called i think it's maybe like is it quills or something like that where you like scoop the spoon in such a way that it makes these like nice, these nice round uh, little bits and pieces. I could have done that with the cream of rice. Um, would have had to go with like a festive flavor of whey though. I don't know what I would have chosen. Gingerbread. Mm, gingerbread. What, mate, next year's dessert. Oh, it's right in itself, boys. That's it. Gingerbread, cream of rice, bit of dark. Well, I mean, at this, you know, at this point in time, Jack's, Jack's having fruit, fruit pies, mate. Yeah. So, you know, you know cream, what's a travesty though is I, I didn't actually have rice for dessert doesn't sound so bad, right? Mm. Real question but, is are you really having sourdough on Christmas? Like I don't really recall myself like 
ever having a Christmas where there's sourdough. We normally bread do as bread. like one of the main attractions there. But sourdough, like, oh, like some sort of a bread. Like I feel like there's always a bread. Well, for our Christmas this year, we had a bread. Mm. You need some carbs for sure. Yeah, for obvious reasons. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, yeah, I don't know. Well, normally they're like some like nice buttered bread rolls or something, or like a cob yeah. loaf. Not necessarily like a sourdough loaf. So, but I'm I keen to like, see what you can whip up, Lawrence. Look, mate, it's going to take the whole year. You know, I'm I'm in the lab daily. I've quit the job. You know, I'm I'm literally just baking day and night. That's what I'm trying to do. Looking yeah. straight up. Did you and did you say Jack you had, didn't have a mince pie this year? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. You're a hypocrite. <laughs> And I remember you saying off air that it was, and I quote, my best Christmas ever. So what does that tell you? So yeah. what did you actually have, Jack? What was the desserts on the, on the table? I had Christmas pudding, plum pudding, which is essentially just fruit mince pie, but without pastry. So it's the worst it's Christmas bad. dessert of them all. <laughs> lots of fruit, lots of potassium. That's, my mum made a, um, like a traditional trifle, which is always tremendous and i thought she nailed it this year but she also made like a like i think me and Gemma's mum found a recipe that she saw on online somewhere and it was like a chocolate trifle like a mint chocolate trifle so she made one of those as well and it was absolutely tremendous but yeah the fruit fruit pudding jack is is yeah no one went mate no no one goes near it it's a barren yeah. waste. Have you heard of the tradition where you pour like hot brandy on the Christmas pudding and you light now it? Now he's fire? drinking. He's out of control. <laughs> oh no. We knew this was gonna happen. He's self-sabotaging prior to the prep. Here we go, boys. We knew this was coming. Just any excuse not to do twenty twenty-four. Yeah. But no, I, I cut you off. What is the tradition? Well, you pour hot brandy on and then you light it on fire. I don't I'm not sure if it was it's maybe a bit too British for you, so you're not aware of it. Mm. Yeah, no, I haven't heard of that. Mm. Sounds dangerous, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. in Australia. Yeah. Gem, um, Gemma's sister, she was trying. She made like a rocky road for Christmas and she was trying to melt the chocolate and she put the whole thing, wrapper and all, in the microwave and it it, it lit up. I got and- something. Someone in my family uh, baked a chicken for... Uh, none of my family listened to this, so I'm safe saying it, but they baked a chicken. And you know, when you get a chicken, like it has that plastic underneath to like absorb all the chicken juice. They mm. put the plastic in the baking tray as well. So they essentially melted the plastic along with the chicken, which bit of a rookie error. Yeah, that's tough. I remember when I was a, a kid, I well, like a young man, I worked at Leonard's Chicken. And you know, those people that stand in the middle of the shopping center and try to like get you to buy stuff? Yep. There was a guy. Oh, they're the worst, man. Yeah, terrible. Um, apologies if any of the listeners do that. You know, got to do, got to pay these bills. Um, there was a guy there, and he was clearly like a bodybuilder. And I remember chatting to him, and he was like, "Yeah, like I compete, blah blah blah." And he just went into Coles on his lunch break and bought an entire like Coles cooked chicken and just took it apart while he was standing there, just like ate the whole chicken out of the bag. And I remember thinking, "It's got to be done. This is what I'm going to need to do if I want to look <laughs> like that." Looked at him and he said, that's a man. That's my role. <laughs> yeah, straight up, dude. <laughs> that's this what guy. I want to be. Whole roast bird, mauling the drumstick. <laughs> he was massive, dude. He was massive. Um, I wonder if it's like one of those things where you look back and like maybe he wasn't that big, but it, it's because I didn't really know yet. Like I remember I used to think like Channing Tatum and Ryan Gosling had like a wicked physique, but you look at that now and you're like, oh, okay. So maybe it was one of those things. 
But all right, lads, we may as well get into something of actual value, but hopefully the uh, the listeners enjoyed that. So one of the, the questions that we have here, which I might throw over to you to start, DC, is it normal for some people to drop weight quickly and some people to plateau quickly? Yeah, good question. Uh, I mean, I guess everybody's metabolic rate and, and rate of adaptation is, is quite different. And I think if we're, we're looking at some individuals in a contest prep, I think some people have to essentially get lower in their calories than, than others, and whether that be due to you know, genetic variances or I, I do think sometimes that that plateau in weight trends may be more associated with behavioral aspects such as you know dietary adherence would, would be sort of the first thing that, that I would look at as opposed to uh, you know someone's plateau because they've, they've, they've actually just metabolically adapted to the adjusted calories slash macros uh, because I think that sort of prominent adaptation is is, is only going to really take it's only really, it's, it's going to strengthen as you move through the course of your contest prep and more aggressively towards the, the tail end of being, you know, extremely lean. So, yeah, I, I think there is going to be interpersonal difference in terms of dietary adaptation and metabolic adaptation, but probably not the first thing I'd look at if someone's weight was plateauing. Mm. So I think over a long period of time, you will definitely plateau to an, especially once your weight continues to drop, you'll eventually get to that point where the rate of loss from those exact calories will definitely slow down. But I remember listening to the Revive Stronger podcast where I believe it was with Bill Campbell and like they did uh, a study over a longer period of time where the individuals were overweight um, and over the long period of time, I think it was six to nine months, they would eventually get to a point where the rate of loss would slow down. But they also noted that the level of adherence over the months got far worse. It would go from maybe like a 90% adherence, 80, 70, 60, and it would eventually drop off over that x amount of time frame so even though a lot of people like that their weight might plateau but you got to look at it and be like is my adherence like is it getting worse every single week because that could definitely play a big factor in that there as well and then if you have dropped a very large amount of weight let's say you've dropped 20 kilos the where your calories are now chances are that might have been you know 500 calorie deficit from the start but now you might have worked that down to pretty much nearly maintenance because you've obviously lost about 20 kilos so um, but with that being said, you will get some metabolic adaptation after being in a calorie deficit for a long period of time. But if it's plateauing on the first four weeks of your deficit and you're not losing anything at all, I think there's probably an underlying issue there with maybe tracking. Maybe you're not actually in a calorie deficit um, and so on like that. Or maybe your adherence isn't as high as what you think it is. Mm, I also think that it's it's common for a lot of individuals to see quite an assertive drop at the beginning of a diet phase because it just changes to like food volumes. You know, if all of a sudden you're cutting out a ton of foods, uh, you might see quite a large drop in, in initial weight trends. And I guess in that first week, you let's say you drop a kilo, it's like, oh, I dropped a kilo of fat mass. The second week you you drop, you know, 400 grams. The next week you drop 300 grams. The next week you drop another 400 grams. And it's like, oh, my weight, my weight loss is, you know, plateaued here. It's like, well, perhaps the three, 400 grams is actually more of an accurate representation of the deficit you're in. And that initial kilo drop that you had was more likely associated with residual you know, changes or acute changes within your, your diet. Uh, so I think often painting the picture on, on uh, your rate of loss and uh, the, the magnitude of the deficit that you're in, you need to kind of collect that data after, 
with multiple weeks in mind as opposed to assessing the efficacy of your diet just based on the first week. Yeah, I think finally also looking at how you are collecting that data because some people will just step on the scale each morning and not even write it down and they'll just be like, okay, I was maybe 72.1 three days in a row and, and therefore they think they've plateaued. When if you take something on average and or have a rolling average, then you can more accurately assess what's what's actually happening. Um, yeah, which I see all the time. Were you 72.1 this morning, Jack? Yep, yeah, mm. 30 kilos. First week in the mini cut, hitting hard. And even <laughs> with a lot of individuals, like, I see sometimes like the weight won't shift actually over a two week, two week period, but I know for a fact that they're in a calorie deficit and I know for a fact they're adhering. And then, you know, that third week, you'll probably see like a decent bit of that weight trend actually catch back up. Maybe when they're meant to be losing five, 600 grams over those first two weeks and you don't see that acute shift, maybe they might be a little bit higher in stress. You'll actually see it a majority of the time over a long period of time, actually pretty much plan out for the rate of loss that you would want even though that maybe a week or two might get masked. So, you know, making sure that you're actually looking at it from a longer, like a drawn back setting and actually have a look at the whole entire plan. Like, you know, are you just looking at like what Jack said, like two to three days, or are you actually looking at the entire month? And over that entire month, are you actually being adherent? Um, and yeah. In saying that I though, I, really... I still have worked with people who genuinely are very, very adaptive and like they're on low calories, the, and it's still moving slowly and saying that they're usually very small humans and they may, it requires a lot of extra effort for smaller humans to expend more energy or to, to lose weight through uh, nutrition alone, like through a deficit. Absolutely. I was just going to touch upon what you said, DY, uh, in terms of like weight trends, not actualizing until, you know, maybe two or two or so weeks down the track. Like you see an athlete who plateaus for two weeks and then all of a sudden their rate of loss drops by you know, 1.6 kilos uh, just in that single week. And it's almost like that weight trend is actualized. If you average that out over in the course of the three weeks, you know, it's it's sitting at the, the desired rate of loss. And I think that that tends to, to co coexist quite a lot with um, like women in their menstrual cycle, as an example. So, uh, you know, as a woman approaches the, the end of their luteal phase, might see an increase in, in, in progesterone and, and therefore changes to like gut permeability. Um, gastrointestinal comfort, you know, bloating, et cetera. And that could mask the three, 400 grams that you would typically see in terms of, you know, rate of loss. And I guess if someone wasn't, uh, I guess, tracking that data and aware of how their cycle might impact their weight loss uh, or, or actualization of that on the scale, they could attribute that to, okay, I'm not losing weight. I'm, 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 ad I'm adapted. Uh, the deaths are not working anymore. What's going on? And my body's broken, et cetera. And we know that's just, that's just not the case. I think that's why it's important to, I guess, have a coach that can, you know, look at look at the the dashboard and look at look at multiple weeks in a row to assess um, the efficacy of one's one's diet. Exactly what you've said too. I, I do notice that females, especially, will have those like stalling of weight periods far more often than what men would. Um, so exactly what you said, uh, DC, like with like the obviously the cycle timing as well. I've also seen it with depending on what people are doing for work as well. Some people might have an office job throughout the week and it might be extremely stressful. And then you might see their weight actually increase over the week. And then once they get to the weekend, they then their weight catches back up 
and then it might drop a kilo. So then when you actually take a drawn back approach to it and look at it over a two week period and you can accurately gauge some of like the weight trends, um, then you can, you know, get a little bit more of an understanding of are you actually in a calorie deficit and are you dropping on average from week to week or every two weeks or whatever it might be. I remember you mm. said, DC, like, you know, with your weight, it would actually go in prep like over a two week period. Like sometimes you wouldn't drop at all for like nearly two weeks and then your body would play catch up and then it would be like two weeks. And it's like, you know, depending on what day that falls on the check-in day or whatever day that, you know, you're reassessing it could really throw off like, you know, some of the changes that you're making. Yeah, exactly right. I think for me, it was mostly fortnightly. So it's almost like every second week, there was like a, a rather sort of drop as opposed to seeing sort of a linear drop week by week. I have actually had some athletes where it's like super linear and it's actually quite um, uh, like like weird to see it. Like, you know, four 500 grams through the entirety of a contest prep almost every single week. And it's so rare to see that. Usually it's like you're going to have periods of, of plateauing things like this. And I know for a fact that person is reflecting, you know, correct data because I can visually see it in terms of their photos each week that they're like tangibly getting leaner. Um, and that's one of the cool things about, I guess, kind of seeing that rate of loss in real time I'm towards like the tail end of prep is that you visually, you see it so much more prominently, right? Than comparison to like the start where, uh, you know, the start of prep, you have a greater magnitude of fat mass to the rate. You see a 600 gram drop. You look at the photos, you're like, oh, did they actually visually, you know, looking here, I'm trying to look at every sort of, you know, fine tooth comb, uh, magnified glass, see, see if there's been change. But towards the tail end of prep, there's a, there's a total, you know, less fat mass needing to liberate. So seeing a 400 gram drop is like super representative on the scales. And I think one thing that's, that's important to consider when we look at someone's overall, let's say, let's say contest prep diet is that the, the changes in scale weight and its correlative power to actual fat loss is different at different points in prep, right? So like at the start of prep with such a large magnitude of changes to one's diet, the first sort of week or so, you're not really going to take that data and be, and know exactly the magnitude of the deficit because there's going to be, like we spoke about acute, acute changes to consumption, food, et cetera. And then towards sort of the end of prep, I found that someone's body weight trends are a little bit more kind of haywire. Like they do tend to, to fluctuate a lot more. Um, and it could just be, you know, again, like a stress hormone at that point is so, so damn high. Um, there may be some, some transient changes to scale weight as a product or being at that point of the diet phase, you know, being so exceptionally lean. So it's almost like, you know, if you just relied upon scale weight at that point, you may be negatively assessing that person's person's position whereas then you know at that point i'm probably relying more upon the person's look as opposed to just their like just their their body weight trends nicely covered lads nicely covered indeed the next question says which supplements are the most important for optimizing gains jack do you want to take this one yeah so depends what supplements we're talking about like water approved i'm assuming so Otherwise, it would be a fairly uh, maybe more simple answer. But yeah, I feel like in in the water approved realm, there's there's really only uh, a select few, and I think some of them might also be related to optimizing your your lifestyle aspects, like maybe a decrease in stress and an in improvement in sleep, or a improving your nutrient status for certain nutrients, which will then indirectly assist with recovery, training performance, and and therefore muscle gain. But 
I don't really know of many at all that like directly in, enhance your muscle growth. Like maybe, for example, if you're deficient in zinc or magnesium and uh, potentially vitamin D, then having a more ideal level of those might directly cause some muscle gain. But I think all the supplements sort of as a, as a byproduct enhance your ability to gain muscle. Like for example, creatine increases, increases your creatine phosphate uh, reserves. And therefore, if you're able to um, perform better in the gym from taking creatine, then you can gain more muscle. Um, I'm never going to get used to that. You were, you were telling me though, that um, you were planning on trying to like in your prep, especially like one thing that you were going to do is play around with a few different supplements. Like, have you decided what you're going to go with? Yeah, I think I, I haven't decided completely. Like I was going to think about taking like Tongat Ali or um, those other ones that are more testosterone promoting, but there's just been such mixed research around them. And some of them are on the watch list for WADA. Like I don't want it to suddenly go on the WADA list and then and then not be able to compete with with certain federations. So I think I'll keep it pretty safe. Like the ones I'd recommend like are essentially creatine, and zinc magnesium vitamin d and can you say it creatine mate creatine it is creatine but me and dy do this thing where we i was directly looking at him and we're just like smirking at each other no i I apologize jack keep going and yeah i've lost my train of thought now thanks come on dy that's all right mate restart it we'll crop it out and just relist them again no 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 it's all good we'll we'll keep we'll keep flowing so (laughs) creatine zinc magnesium vitamin d and i mean there are you could there are some other ones thrown in there as well like for example beta alanine and citrulline malate but i'm to be to be completely honest i'm a bit of a minimalist when it comes to supplements like i'm more so about the the ones that are going to give you the most bang for your buck and also avoiding deficiency in certain nutrients. But I'm, I'm not Mr. Supplement. That's for sure. Yeah. So, but DC, I'm sure you can weigh in a little bit more on, on certain supplements. Yeah. Um, I remember reading a, a paper from um, Stuart, Stuart Phillips and uh, basically the, the, the paper looked at um, muscle uh, androgen receptor uh, density and, and also like systemic hormone hormones so um like free-flowing you know testosterone etc 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 and basically the consensus from stuart phillips is that transient or, or acute shifts or changes within the physiological range associated with testosterone doesn't seem to impact muscular hypertrophy so in other words like let's say you took a wada approved test booster and it slightly increased your testosterone that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to correlate to more muscle mass mm. so i do think that some of these uh like natural test boosters are it's not necessary but also like you're kind of running the risk of maybe taking something that that you know might have something else in it if you're not careful so i yeah. feel like if they're almost situations where it's like is it really going to help you I mean, I think consensus one thing, one thing quickly about in prep, one thing you might benefit from in prep is I agree in the off season when you're in a more favorable hormonal position, but maybe in prep, it might prevent the lowering of testosterone by uh, even a little bit would be helpful. Like instead, like preventing you from going below 10 nanomoles per liter. Um, yeah, and I think for those sorts of supplements, like the benefits are primarily for the men who are deficient 
is my understanding. Like if you're in a good spot, something like that, where it's like a herbal test booster in inverted commas is probably not going to do a whole lot. But if you're in a position where your testosterone is lower, then potentially it is going to have more benefit. But I think it's a good point, DC, like yeah, that sure. research where like really it's only once you're going to super physiological realms of testosterone where it's making a marked difference to your ability to gain muscle mass mm, that's right and i think the consensus is and someone can correct me here but like when you're taking uh large amounts of exogenous testosterone that may affect like energy receptor density so you know the amount of receptors that can pick up on that that, that testosterone so taking like small amounts of it may not be sufficient enough to actually change receptor density uh and and in in the same token you know perhaps that's that's something to 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 to, um think about even when taking something in prep like we don't necessarily have data to Mm, depict that taking something like a natural test booster when you're deprived of low tests even has any effects like it at all at this point it's just kind of like speculative Mm. and again i just i just think it's like dabbling in something where you kind of just don't want to run the risk right (laughs) You don't want yeah. to like have a blood test with with WNBF and they pick up on something that you thought you were taking something else and it's just not even worth it. You know what I mean? So yeah, you don't you don't want to take something with some random herbs in it and then you end up getting liver failure or yeah, getting spiking the wrong sort of enzyme, the one that's not related to testosterone. So it's um it's just not worth it. But I think. Ultimately, like training, nutrition, and lifestyle, like we don't really need to reinforce this, but those are always going to be the th- the the main building blocks of of gains. And mm. yeah, um, absolutely. And I-, I think any of the the supplements out there, are, just like you said, Jack, are there to kind of assist with like other aspects of your life that can then have a, like a secondary effect uh, on building muscle. So, like obviously, creatine. Um, ashwagandha as an example like i wouldn't really attribute that to being a muscle building supplement but if if, if it assists with your sleep quality and therefore allows you to de-stress sleep better then that could essentially you know positively affect training performance and therefore may translate to better you know gains in, in kind of like the long run mm. yeah same with but like I guess outside of those healthy and into sleep yeah yeah. So, I mean, outside of, I guess, yeah, those, those that you listed, that's kind of it, right? <laughs> it's mm. not very exciting in the natural bodybuilding realm. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, we'll, we'll do another two lads. This one will be fairly quick fire, I think. So it basically says which training split works best for you. And do you ever switch up your splits? So for me, I'm currently doing a pull legs, chest and back. Then I rest and then I do full upper and then legs again. And I'm hoping to run this split for basically as long as I can in the off season. And for context, my last split, which was just a straight upper, lower, upper, lower, upper, that I I ran for the entire prep. And I believe maybe the the last two mesocycles of my off season. So probably close to a year of running that split. Um, I think the split itself, you know, you probably want to keep that fairly consistent um, maybe a bit of variation here or there. Um, I just think it, it's one of those things that just doesn't really need to change a whole lot. Like, yeah, maybe you change the days within it every now and again, but I, I certainly think that most people keep it pretty consistent for a good long while. What about you, DY? On that topic, I think if you are going to split up maybe the splits from maybe a mezzo or like after you've run it for a couple of training cycles in a row, 
keeping the majority of the major compound lifts that you're doing if you are going to mix up the split. So don't go from maybe running a training program from 10 weeks and then next thing you know, you completely mix and match every single lift. Like if you made very good progress on the bench press, fair enough, maybe you might want to throw around your day from a push-pull legs to maybe chest and back, shoulders and arms and legs. So you're still hitting the same amount of muscle groups, but still make sure you keep in the compounds that have been doing really, really well. Just don't sub those out. So that's the only caveat I would have into that. But um, my favorite splits would probably have to be a push-pull legs of some variation. I have run the high frequency. I did really like that one, like what you've, you're running, Lawrence. Right now, I really do like the push-pull legs day off push-pull for a men's physique competitor. Um, pretty much like splitting the training volume across both days. But if I had to say the split that I probably run the most and has probably made me the most progress, it would probably have to be like a push-pull legs, upper body, lower body, one of the OGs. Mm. I'm the same, yeah, upper, lower, push, lower, pull. And I've been running that essentially the same, the, the whole off season. And I think it allows for pretty equalized growth across across everywhere. And then you can tailor it based on uh, prioritizing certain areas as well. Um, based on based on volume for within the session yeah and udc yeah so i i do tend to oscillate between a very similar split there like your push pull lower up the lower but for uh, quite a while i've been running three uppers two lowers which more of like an upper day having a particular bias so like a push bias or a pull bias uh or you know running a delta arm behind a bias session but for my volumes uh, recently, I've been running really high volume for the back work. I seem to just be able to recover really well from that. And uh, my recoverable volume for pressing movements is pretty low. So I found that when I run an entire day for push, kind of gets to the point where I'm like third or fourth exercise in, it's kind of like beating a dead horse. <laughs> I just like, it, 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 and I don't seem to recover exceptionally well from it. Like I seem to recover better from my push frequency being perhaps a little bit higher but the the amount of volume in a single session being lower so i guess i've just kind of been able to adapt my 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 programming in favor of what i think i can recover the best from whilst being able to keep you know volumes higher on, on the areas that i need to grow so kind of similar to you boys but yeah basically yeah, I think that's probably what most male bodybuilders would come out, you know, probably going to be around that push-pull legs, upper-lower, or some variation. And I think all of us are probably, you know, sort of people who you're constantly tweaking and changing and thinking about, oh, can I change the exercise order a little bit or, or move it around in a way to sort of, it's almost like the chasing the the perfect split, the perfect day. You know, you always want to probably tinker around with a few things, but as long as the big big rocks are in place. I think that's that's what we're all after. We're going to sneak in one more, lads. Quick fire. And it's actually interesting. Um, I don't know what to make of this, but Camelia actually asked this question. If you had to choose between your girlfriend at the gym, which one is getting cut? I think the better question is, if you have to choose between your girlfriend and the gym, what are we training tomorrow? You know, that is the, uh, that's the real question. So maybe DY, you can, you can kick us off here, mate. Oh, that is a tough one. That is a tough one. Should have asked me this six months ago, and it would have been a completely different answer. <laughs> um, so it would be chest day tomorrow. Yeah, perfect. I'll see mm. you there. Is, I, I think Tierra would leave me anyway if I stopped the gym. So mm. I may as well keep the gym. Exactly what I was thinking. Like, you know, 
yeah, just, I'm just I'm just considering longevity. You know how important resistance training is for overall health and vitality. So, mm. you know, I just can't be risking sarcopenia, osteopenia, any other sort of penia. So, yeah, sorry, uh, small penia. Oh, oh, mate, look, uh, that's uh, not much we can do there. Uh, that ship has sailed. What about Imagine you? T just sitting there has a cracking gym session. Jack just comes home from a marathon run. Just. <laughs> <laughs> legs are smaller than T's. It's not looking good for them. Uh, man's just been fishing for 17 hours. <laughs> Gotta love it. Throws back the uh, throws back the protein as well because, hey, who needs to consume it when you're running marathons, right? Nah, excess calories. Don't need it. Yeah, it would just be mm. a waste to be fair. Well, yeah, I think we were pretty conclusive there, so I'm sure all the, um, all the girlfriends are going to be quite happy with that, but um ladies and gents that is going to do it for yet another episode of bdu we look forward to bringing you a lot of exciting stuff jokes aside we had a bit of a meeting before this and outlining some stuff for 2024 and we're we're really looking to sort of give back to the community a lot this year and and thank you guys for the support you've shown us and we've got some really exciting ideas in the pipeline and just so that you're aware you know, whilst DC did mention something about beating a dead horse, no animals were actually harmed during this recording of bodybuilding down under. So, um, yeah, don't report us to the RSPCA. So, uh, just making sure the legal team doesn't jump down our throats there, DC. He wasn't talking mm-hmm. about an actual horse, though, Lawrence. You didn't pick up on that. Oh, okay. Well, he wasn't talking about me. Then. The, the, um, the joke just went over his head. I've never been compared to that animal. Not sure why. Yeah. Uh, but yeah perhaps uh, another day we'll figure that out but as always dear listener thank you for tuning in and we'll be back every single Wednesday with a brand new episode of BDU we'll catch you later